And good afternoon, good afternoon. I'm Len Tillum. I'm a lawyer. News Talk 910. Got a guest on today. I've had him on before. His name is Jim Gagan. He's a trial lawyer who specializes in product liability cases, elder abuse, construction accidents, medical malpractice, will and trust cases. He's been voted a super lawyer and um, does a good job, Gets does very well for his clients. And of course, it's very selective in the cases he takes. But he's done an outline for smaller cases. But what happened was, well, Jim, why don't, Jim, thank you for coming. Explain to us what happened after you were on the show last time, and we talked about asbestos and lung cancer. Yeah, what happened was we were talking about, uh, you know, the obvious ways of being exposed to asbestos, people who worked in shipyards, people who uh, were, uh, you know, insulators, that sort of thing. But uh, we did mention a couple of other occupations just uh, for information's sake. And we got calls immediately thereafter uh, from two gentlemen, both of them unfortunately diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer around Christmas time. Now, asbestosis is not lung cancer. No, asbestosis is a different disease. It's a it's a it's a kind of a a restrictive disease of the lungs. It's a breathing problem, kind of like emphysema. Mm -hmm. Uh, But lung cancer, of course, is something else entirely. And mesothelioma is something else again. And all of those, you can get all of those from inhaling just a small amount of asbestos. Well, the mesothelioma is, uh, you you can have a single exposure, theoretically, and get mesothelioma. It's generally considered that lung cancer and asbestosis are are dose related. So you you know the more you breathe, the greater your risk of getting those things. But so uh, you could be a non-smoker or even a smoker, but still have gotten the lung cancer. There'd be a correlation if you were exposed to asbestos. Even if you are a smoker, if you're a lifelong smoker, but you've been exposed to asbestos, the best scientific literature says that those two things are synergistic, meaning you got a risk from smoking and you got a risk from lung uh, from asbestos. But when you do both of those things, that your risk is more than an additive. It's like geometric. You know? And people in the 40s, 50s, and 60s were talking about these guys when asbestos was around and commonly used. People also smoke cigarettes. You know, yes. just look at mad men on television. They're smoking all the time. <laughs> they are. Yeah, it's like an ad for the, an ad for cigarettes again. So... Uh, so these occupations, people didn't even know. We're gonna, we've got a list here. And, That's and, amazing. It's and, amazing how many different occupations have the potential for substantial asbestos exposure. These, the two gentlemen that called us afterwards, uh, one was a uh, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning uh, guy, spent his whole life in that field. Well, you would expect that because asbestos was used in insulation. Yes. You know. but he, he may not have been using asbestos products, but he was in an environment where, the, where there was asbestos dust from either other people working with it or simply because he's cutting into places that have asbestos in them. And he uh, had given up smoking 25 years before and uh, unfortunately got diagnosed with lung cancer. And we had another man almost the same story except that he was a uh, telephone installer and uh, had done that for 30 years and how are telephone installers exposed to asbestos well they're they're dig they're drilling cutting into uh the siding of houses and businesses to uh get their lines into the house. Right. The guys walk in with a telephone. I'm here to hook up your phone. Yeah. And you don't think about asbestos, but they're exposed also. Yeah, because of all these old, you know, old buildings. And uh, you can either get exposed to asbestos by 
working with an asbestos product, which you're not going to be doing anymore because it's been banned. But now the exposures are all these old buildings that have asbestos uh, in them uh, that uh, have never been remediated. So if, if you were in some of these occupations, and we're going to name them, and you come down with lung cancer, you have a case and and with significant recoveries for, for you or for your family after you're gone. Is that correct? Well, well, every case is different, you know, and then what happens in these cases is that they are evaluated by pulmonologists, by... Uh, by people who are uh, industrial hygienists, etc. They look at the whole picture. They look at your work history. They look at the likelihood of your exposure, the dose, and these are experts that the lawyer works with. Yes, and uh, and and then there's an opinion about causation. Uh, so, but anyone who has worked in any of these fields that we're going to be talking about, who has come, who has contracted lung cancer, should get an evaluation, and an evaluation as to whether they have a case, but also. I was shocked to learn that that in neither one of these two gentlemen's cases were their primary care doctors giving them regular chest x-rays because it seems to me a primary care doctor needs to know that uh, certain occupations are have a potential of exposure to asbestos and they need to give those people special monitoring. So we're going to read these occupations and if you've been in these occupations, you need to be careful about lung cancer also because maybe there's nothing you can do about asbestosis, but there certainly is things that can be done with lung cancer if it's caught early. Early diagnosis and treatment of lung cancer is very effective, and uh, so you don't want to be diagnosed when you're stage four. Um, mesothelioma, on the other hand, very terrible, painful, incurable disease. Incurable. Uh, it's it's your, you, If you got it, it's the prognosis is is bad, and it's not really a matter of early diagnosis and treatment. I suppose I shouldn't say that I'm not an oncologist. Generally speaking, though, it's a much more uh, serious situation uh, and probably less important to have it early early diagnosed than lung cancer. All right, so let's go through the occupations and also mention with each of them. It is a long list, but. A lot of you employed in these industries or know somebody who was employed in these industries and let them know, you know, you ought to be checking for lung cancer. Yeah. So, you know, we're not going to talk about every single one of them in detail and how each of them gets exposed. But if one keeps in mind that you can be working near somebody who is working with asbestos, there's asbestos in the air. So, you know, most of these uh, have that uh, at a minimum that that uh, people are. People around you, you're in an environment, you're in a construction project, you're in a factory uh, where there is exposure to uh, asbestos in the air. So aeronautical engineers and aircraft mechanics. Yeah, that's the that what I just said. You're, you're, you know, planes, <laughs> fire on a plane is a uh, s- serious problem. So uh, in it, back in the day when they were using uh, asbestos to insulate things on planes, obviously there's a potential of exposure. Uh, auto mechanics, I know they used asbestos in brakes, didn't yep. they? That's a that's a primary cause of exposure. Yeah. Blacksmiths, boiler makers, brick and stone masons, bulldozer operators. Now, brick and stone masons, I know that sometimes they made bricks with asbestos in them. They did. There was a certain kind of, uh, yes, they did for fireproofing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how long ago that was, but the, the uh, what, how long ago they stopped doing that. But I do know that the, the, uh, uh, the duration between exposure and disease, which is called the latency period, 
can be as much as 50 years. So there could be still people out there who have that exposure. Uh, bulldozer operators. I guess they're tearing up buildings and things like that. Right, right. That very dusty area of sometimes with bulldozer operators. Cabinet makers, carpenters, chemical technicians. Now, cabinet makers and carpenters, they work with wood, and you wouldn't think asbestos, but they're in construction projects, that's, right? That's it. They're in, that's, they're in the area where there would be asbestos dust. Chemical technicians. Uh, Honestly, can't help you with that. I don't know why a chemical technician would be exposed to asbestos. But I don't even know what a chemical technician is. <laughs> yes, would be good. We're on the same page there. Yeah. Civil engineers, uh, obviously, they're on construction sites, construction workers, obviously. crane operators, uh, drill press operators. These are all obvious. Drywall tape. They used to make drywall with asbestos, too. And tape. Asbestos That's right, tape. the tape. Yes. Um, Electric power linemen, that's kind of obvious, You know, too. when I was in the eighth grade, this how far back I goes, or the seventh grade, in, in chemistry, we were talking about fire and chemical reactions, and the teacher took out asbestos and tried to burn it, and then passed it around the class for us to handle. <laughs> I mean, amazing, really? you know? Amazing. Well, it's probably not as dangerous as it sounds, because it's the dust. You know, if it's a... If it's a if it's uh, in a solid block that isn't really... Uh, They're not doing know, that now, though. You wouldn't be passing it around. No, no. you wouldn't be passing it around. Nor, nor would you be using asbestos as, as fake snow in, a, in the uh, you know the holiday production, which was done sometimes, too. They would fill auditoriums with fake snow that the was stage. asbestos. The stage. Yeah. Like the Rockettes or something like that. Yeah, yeah one, once upon a time. In fact, the actor Steve McQueen died of mesothelioma. That's why he died so young. And nobody knows how precisely he got exposed to asbestos. But he was in the, you know, could have been... And the only reason you get mesothelioma is from asbestos exposure, yes, pretty much. Yes, that, that is pretty much a cardinal rule. There have been, you know, there's been some speculations, I think, about potential other causes. But I think it's generally considered to be the that uh, mesothelioma is only caused by asbestos exposure. Okay. Did we get um, electrical power linemen, electrical engineers, yeah. electricians? They're drilling in holes, and they're using it. Firefighters. How yeah. does a firefighter get exposed? Oh, it's, there's a p incredible potential. I mean, you've got, you know, burning buildings, and uh, t uh, burning automobiles are a, a terrible uh, uh uh, emitter of all kinds of horrible toxic things right and dust gets knocked around you go into an old building that's burning down you've got to chop through walls oh yeah that would, there's there's a lot of potential for that don't say don't ask me about forge men I right. don't know they work the with metals men. and things freight and material handlers i guess asbestos was shipped or material came through with it right or it could be on a ship when yep. shipyards, when shi when the ship's being overhauled, furnace smelters and operators, the furnaces were probably insulated with asbestos. There was that the, the engine rooms of ships is where where most of the asbestos was. So the people who worked at Mare Island during World War II, or you know Brooklyn Navy Yard, my father worked was a plumber in the Brooklyn Navy Yard during World War yeah, II. Lots and that lots was of like, exposure. Yeah, lots of exposure there. That that's right. Garage mechanics, we spoke about that. Grinding machines operators. You're grinding up stuff, I guess, asbestos yep. flies. The, hairdressers. I believe, I'm going to take a wild guess at this. I believe that hair that there was asbestos in hair dryers. The, the big, a, you remember the things that looked like beehives that went on women's heads? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think they have them anymore. You know, they all use blow dryers, but those big things that went on a woman's head, you know, that made you look like a space monster? Yes. Yes. Yeah. They were filled with asbestos. Yes, they were. Uh, so Insulation. Know, right. Uh, 
Amazing. I mean, I had not thought of this until our last show about all of these various ways. And, you know, if uh, if you're a hairdresser and you came down with lung cancer, there's a good chance you've got a case for asbestos exposure. It certainly have. It, it's definitely worth a call to a lawyer to. Get it's it definitely analyzed. worth a call to Jim Gagan. Write this number to Jim. What we're going to take a break and we've got a list. Stick around. You're going to learn what your uncle was exposed to. We're also going to talk. What about. If your uncle worked in one of these occupations and died last year of lung cancer, is that mm-hmm. a case? We'll talk about that. But give your phone number, Jim. If people want to talk to you about this, where do they get a hold of you? 877-939-9593. That's a toll-free number. 877-939-9593. You could call me on the show here. I give that number every day. Let us know you're exposed to asbestos. We'll get it to Jim or Len at lentillum.com. Stick around. We've got more occupations coming. I think this is fascinating. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. My guest is Jim Gagan. We are going through the list of people who might be exposed, have gotten be exposed and at risk for lung cancer, mesothelioma. The, the list is almost really a long list of all these occupations. And I know you sit at a desk in an office or your loved one does, but your uncle or your relatives and... If, you've, if we've named these occupations, and these are people in their 50s and 60s, Jim, they ought to start considering checking for lung cancer. X-rays annually? What's, what do you do? Uh, you, you, you tell your primary care doctor, look, I heard on the radio that I was in an uh, occupation that had a risk of being exposed to asbestos, and I need to be sure that you're helping me monitor uh, for those conditions. See, I would be a little more aggressive. In other words, wait, 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 <laughs> I bet wait, you wait. would. I bet I would. Wait, 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 wait a second. Here's what I'm saying is this. And if your doctor says, oh, yeah, no big deal, it means your dummy doctor doesn't know what's going on. I, I mean, if you had been in any, if, if you had been a drywall taper, and, and you're okay now, and you don't think you have lung cancer. But what would you tell your doctor you would like to have done if you were that in that occupation? I would certainly say, what's the best and mo- you know, what's the best way to check me frequently, just to make sure my lungs are okay. And if the doctor says, "I don't know, I'm not sure," what would you say to the doctor? I mean, are you really a doctor? Is what <laughs> yes, I would say because yes, a chest X-ray is a pretty much a no-brainer for for as the first line of defense. Uh, for checking for lung cancer. So every once in a while getting a, 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 a chest x-ray, because if you can catch lung cancer early, it can be cured. You don't wait to stage four. Right. And unfortunately, both of these two gentlemen that we heard from were first diagnosed with stage four, and they had not been getting any chest x-rays from their primary care doctors, and that's sad. What happens to a case, you know, sometimes cases take a while, somebody's been exposed to asbestos, they have stage four cancer when they come to you, what do you, what happens in that case? How do you get some money to them? How do you settle this case or try this case before they die? Well, uh, first of all, I always say that what we associate with the the, pre- the premier uh, lawyers who do asbestos cases in, I think, the United States. And you used to work with them for years. I did. You tried those cases, too. Yes. Right. So we're in very close communication, and we, we stay involved with the case throughout Uh if, if there is, unfortunately, a diagnosis that somebody has less than six months to live, then you have to go to court and tell the court, all of this needs to be hurried up. We need to get a trial date uh, within 120 days. And that's things speed up very fast. But the alternative is the person loses their rights uh, because uh, there's, a, there's a big difference between having a case 
while you're the plaintiff while you're alive and having your relatives have a case because you died, although you can have both cases. Mm -hmm. So if someone is being treated for lung cancer now, they might, if you know someone, you might ask what profession they were in. If they were in any of these professions that might have been exposed to asbestos, they should contact you. Yes, and I think, you know, particularly if, it, if as many people did, they quit smoking 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and they still got lung cancer. That is highly suspicious for uh, for asbestos exposure. Or no, the people may say to themselves, well, I quit smoking 25 years ago, but I still got lung cancer. But the point is, if they were in these occupations, even if they did smoke, yes, the, it's a good case that you can recover against that. You, I mean, I never like to say, you know, all you have to do is say you were a HVAC man and you got lung cancer and all of a sudden you can file a lawsuit and, and, and get some compensation. There always, there's always a complex medical history. But what I say is, you owe it to yourself and to your family to get it evaluated to see if there is a viable case uh, involving asbestos exposure. And there's no charge to call you and get it evaluated and look no, at it? No, no, none at it's, all. It's part of the contingency fee. All right, well, let's go back. So we've got machinists, and, and how would a machinist be exposed? Oh, it's, uh, you know, machinists uh, in, a, uh, in a dusty environment. There's uh, Machinists can be almost anywhere in terms of fabric kinds of fabrications and uh it's just a dusty environment in which there's a lot of different substances in the uh environment and they did once make a fabric out of asbestos big rolls of it big ones yeah, yeah. they used them for a, a whole variety of things they would co you know cover things with asbestos cloth they'd use make theater curtains out of asbestos uh yeah, sounded like a good idea at the time. Mechanical engineers, merchant marines, they were on the ships. Yes, yeah, so it's virtually the same as being in the navy. Really, uh, the, the ships, uh, all the pipes, uh, he, especially the hot water pipes on the uh, ships were uh, were insulated with asbestos cloth, and, asbestos tape, asbestos putty. And many of these pipes were out. They weren't covered. In other words, it's not like in your home where the pipes are behind the wall. Some of the pipes ran along the corridors of the ship. Yeah, I was in the Navy, and uh, I was uh, in ROTC in college. And during the summer, uh, we were required to spend six weeks in the Navy. So I uh, come out to Long Beach, and I get assigned to the USS Hornet, which is, coincidentally, I, I have the distinction of now of having served on two ships that are now museums. That, mm -hmm. that shows you that I'm not as young as I used to be. But yes. anyway, I was assigned to the Hornet. It was out of Long Beach. And we sailed to Hawaii. And I thought, man, I'm going to live now. You know, we're going to go to Hawaii. So we uh, tie up at Pearl Harbor, not Pearl Harbor, but the uh, the other base I'm forgetting in Hawaii. And uh, I don't get liberty that day. And, not, and my assignment was to be in the engine room, climbing inside a boiler through an opening at the bottom, of just above the bilge that was about, I don't know, two and a half feet by a foot, and scraping the inside of the boiler with like, like a chisel. Uh, it was still warm in the boiler. So I got exposed to asbestos. Mm -hmm. um, uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> nothing's going to happen, but that's kind that you know, we didn't have any face masks or anything like that. They didn't that. know so, about that, no. So uh, anyway, if that happened to me, it happened to a whole lot of other people who were in the Merchant Marine. Okay. Metal layers, millwrights, mixing operators. Who knows what they mixed into those compounds? Molders, you made products. Oil refinery That's workers. That's a very big one. Oil refinery workers. A yes. lot of people were exposed to asbestos there? Yes. From uh, the heat and... Yes, because of the insulation again. I mean, all of the... Uh, everything in a refinery needs to be insulated, so... Uh, 
Things don't spark. Things don't blow up. Operating engineers worked with machine painters. Painters. There was actually there was some asbestos in paint uh, for uh, years. Pipe fitters. A lot yeah, of asbestos. Big, stuff. One. big ones. Big ones. If you were a pipe fitter or a plumber, right? Yes. Plasterers, plumbers, police. Yeah. They go into burning buildings. They're in a lot of exposed there, you know. Yes. Um, power plant workers. Again, lots Again. of asbestos there. Oil, ref- like, uh, like oil refinery workers. The list Very goes similar. on. We're going to keep doing it. By the way, we're going to take a break for the news. If you've been exposed to asbestos or if you've got lung cancer or you know someone who does or asbestosis, why don't you call up and we'd like to hear your story. We'd like to talk about it. You can get a consultation on the air. We've got open lines. We're going to be back till we're here till four eight six six five three six one thousand. You've got any of these ideas? We're spec- we're staying with this specifically. My guest is Jim Gagan. Give us a call eight six six five three six one thousand. Len Tillum, News Talk nine ten. Len Tillum, News Talk nine ten. I'm a lawyer. I'm talking to Jim Gagan. We're talking about all these occupations where people have been, hundreds of them, and, and at least a hundred, these amazing occupations that people didn't realize they were exposed to asbestos. You can get lung cancer, mesothelioma, asbestosis. Even if you were a cigarette smoker, if, if somebody's got these problems, they've got a good case here. And, and Lord knows if you've got those problems, you could use the money, that's for sure. And we're going to take some calls, 866-536-1000. Len Tillman and Jim Gagan here on this. And let's say hello now to Rolf. Rolf, Len Tillum, Jim Gagan. How come you're calling two lawyers, Rolf? Well, um, back in 1999, my father, who was a self-employed uh, painting contractor, who my brother and I spent a lot of years working with them, uh, ended up taking his own life. And the um, at the, the corner did an autopsy, and he said, uh, I couldn't figure out what was going on, that your, your dad had metastasized lung cancer and a brain tumor, and he probably would have been dead in uh, six months. Now, what year did this happen? Uh, 19, March of 1999. Okay, so, Jim, first of all, if you've died of lung cancer and you're in some of these occupations we've named, what's the furthest back you can go for your state to have a case? What would you say? Well, it's, uh, it, usually it's, a, it's uh, two years from the date of death um, for, a, for a wrongful death case. There may be some extenuating circumstances, but 1999 is a, is a long time back, and... Uh, I wouldn't give an opinion on the statute of limitations over the radio based on a call, but that's a long time back, and generally it's a two-year statute from the date of death. Right. And what kind of work do you do, Ralph? I'm an automotive technician. Automotive technician. They're not putting brake, asbestos in brakes anymore, are they? No, not that I know, but I'm sure back years ago when I first got into the trade, I was working on plenty of old folks' wagons. I'm sure they had, you know, from the 60s, that probably still had some of the old brake break road, break this, big pass and stuff like that, break yeah. shoes. And, and your father was a, a painter, a house painter. And I understand you worked with him for many years, right? My, my brother and I worked with him pretty much every summer since we were probably, you know, helped clean up shop sites so, so since elementary school. Ralph, this is the perfect example we were talking about. How old are you now, Ralph? I'm 43. And you don't smoke cigarettes anymore, do you? Uh, I quit probably almost seven years ago. Good for you. Yeah, absolutely. But so... Rolf's one of these people who should say this to his doctor. I he think was, so. What I would you I, say to your doctor to well, repeat no, that? Number one, I do not want to alarm people because I have, I have one of our shows in the past. I mentioned that you know a single 
you know, asbestos fiber theoretically could cause mesothelioma. And a guy called in and said, I know I've had at least one asbestos f- fiber. I'm, you know, I'm going to get mesotheli- mesothelioma. And that's, you know. That's not the case. No. And you can have substantial, like, like smokers, people who smoke three packs a day, some of them live to be 95. Same with asbestos. But what I would suggest is going to your primary care doctor and saying, listen, I heard this radio program about asbestos. I mean, my, you know. There's a there's a chance I was exposed, and uh, you know I just would uh, what what I think I sh- I ought to be monitored to a reasonable degree to make sure that everything's okay. Right, and, uh, the doctor know. will know what to do. You got that, Ralph? I do. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome, Dave in Palo Alto. Len Tillum, Dave. How come you calling Jim Gagan? Well, I got a couple of questions. When I was younger, I was in the secret ad program, and I think I was exposed a little bit. We did a lot of paint chipping. A lot of painting. Um, as I was going through life, I uh, went into the Air Force, uh, did a little bit of line work in the Air Force. I worked uh, for a municipality for a while. And some of the insulation on the wires, I'm just kind of wondering if that didn't have asbestos in it as well. What what time period are we talking about here? Well, um Probably I started with the city when I was maybe mid-30s, and I worked as a lineman until 97 I had a stroke. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, it would sort of, it's sort of site-specific, but I, I wouldn't, but, I wouldn't, with all your, with all of those kinds of uh, uh, environments, I wouldn't rule out that you've had some exposure. Again, don't lose any sleep over this. I mean, no, uh, no you know. but also I've done uh, contract or worked for uh, different, uh, electrical companies doing there's no question but also remodels you've been exposed to asbestos there's no question about that a are lot you, of us have are you a lot of us have are you still smoking cigarettes no but when i was smoking i was smoking almost two and a half three packs a day but i gave those back up in uh, 1979 so no, jim good. again this is somebody who should say, tell his doctor he's got this yeah and and just monitor it and be careful about it okay yeah, get, a, get a chest ray yeah. chest x-ray every year two years maybe even three years depending on what your doctor's advice is it's, it really doesn't cost much and it's a okay it you know it's a great think about how much an x-ray costs versus how much treatment costs so uh you know right definitely well i am 56 so you know oh, you're I'm a young guy <laughs> all right there you go we're going to be reading the um we're going to be reading let's do it we've got a call another call and coming in whose husband has asbestosis and copd but let's go back to our list a second so um we left off, oh, okay, machinists, mechanical engineer, merchants, marine. We did yep. all those. We were up to... <laughs> shipyard uh, workers. Shipyard workers, for sure. That, steam that's, fitters is a very, very uh, high-risk uh, occupation. What's a steam fitter? Oh, it's somebody who, you know, puts together pipes and uh, it's like a... It's like a super plumber. A super, uh, for ships, mostly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, a steam fitter. Yeah, of course. Structural metal metal craftsman. You have a client who was a telephone repairman yeah. or a lineman, right? Yes, that's uh, one of the gentlemen who just uh, gave us a call. And also on this list is HVAC worker. He's uh, heating. What is HVAC? Heating, uh, ventilation, and air conditioning. And, uh, you know, he um, unfortunately probably got lung cancer from uh, from asbestos exposure. And uh, insulators, iron workers, welders, uh, all of those have uh, substantial exposures to asbestos. So anyway, I, the reason that I'm you know, reading this whole list is because it's terrible if people don't know uh, that the, about their exposure history and what it might mean. And if they have lung cancer, then they 
may be entitled to some compensation. And, and Jim was a partner in this firm for years and did these trials and is now working with them. So um, you can call me on the show or you can call Jim. At a, Jim, what's that number again? 877-939-9593. Or you can go to lentillum.com. But we've got Adrian calling from San Anselmo. Adrian, Len Tillum. How come you're calling Jim Gagan, Adrian? I was just calling to find out about um, asbestosis. My husband was diagnosed about a year and a half ago. With asbestosis? Uh-huh. COPD also? Yes. And was he in any of these occupations that we talked about? He worked in the shipyards from, from 1955 to 1960. Well, he had a lot of exposure. Which shipyard was it? I mean, what shipyard was it? Bethlehem Steel, AAA Machine Shop. Uh, he has... Was that, in, was that in Richmond? Where was that? Uh, honey, was that in San Francisco? All San Francisco. All San Francisco. San Francisco. South of the Bay Bridge, I think, a lot of those. Uh, anyway, Probably. has he filed a claim? No, he hasn't. He didn't know he could. See that? Thank goodness we're doing this show. You have to get a hold of Jim, and he can file a claim. I mean, see, he's got chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, asbestosis. Right. Jim, is this a potential case? It is a potential case. Uh, asbestosis is uh, uh, a different disease. It's uh, It's... You know, it's it, it it manifests itself. I think you'll agree something like uh, something like emphysema, just that you have a hard time breathing and you have trouble right. on exertion. Uh, so again, nobody can judge the merit of a case based on one conversation, but very strongly urge him to contact us, and we'll help him get an evaluation about whether or not he's got a claim or not. And there's no charge for that. No. I'm telling you right now, Adrian, you and your husband couldn't have a better lawyer than Jim Gagan for doing this. He's done it for years. He's a super lawyer, incredibly ethical and does a good job. And um, why not have your husband, you and your husband, come and talk to Jim, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. All right. Um, 866-536-1000. We're going to leave asbestosis and mesothelioma and lung cancer we, we've covered it. You've got the idea. And, and I'll put this show on my um, law library, you know, on, on the Internet. It'll be there. If you know someone who's been exposed, they can go to lentillum.com and click on today's show and listen to it. There have been some interesting developments in nursing home abuse and nursing home cases, and we're going to talk about that. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. Len Tillum, News Talk 910. I'm a lawyer. Jim Gagan's a lawyer. We've got some interesting developments in nursing home cases. Jim, what's going on there? Well, the the big uh, story is uh, that the the Attorney General uh, Kamala Harris has just uh, uh, entered into an agreement with a uh, large skilled nursing home group because of repeated violations of uh, all kinds involving bed sores and uh, malnutrition, dehydration over medication, and what she's done is actually imposed a monitor on this nursing home company so that they and the nursing home company has to pay for the monitor. What, what's the name of this company? Uh, it is the ironically named Skilled Healthcare Group. Have we? Have you ever had a case against them? You've done a number of nursing home cases. Have I you ever gone honestly, up against them? I honestly cannot remember. I, I've, I've done many cases against many chains. This one does not ring a bell with me, but I wouldn't rule it out. But... According to Harris's office, I mean, uh, this is public record, so we're not uh, we're not saying anything out of school. But 
The State Department of Public Health issued 76 citations to the company's nursing homes from 2008 to 2012, and that's a lot. What constitutes abuse briefly in a nursing home? What, If you've got a relative in a nursing home, what are the things that... And by the way, these cases... It's what stops nursing homes from committing this abuse because their insurance companies get on them and say, you better stop doing this, and it cleans up the industry. That's it. That was the entire purpose of the elder abuse statute. In other words, if you go to the books, it's a very unusual preamble to a statute. Normally, you just go to a law book, and you pull out the statute, and it says, you shall not, or you shall, or you're... This one has a whole preamble that says... The elder abuse statutes are being enacted because older people don't have advocates and they can't find lawyers to represent them because they're old and their damages are not great, etc., etc. So we are going to establish this new statute that encourages lawyers to represent people who have been neglected and abused so that we can use that as a method of improving the care for elderly people. And, and you've done a number of these cases. I have. I, what, what constitutes abuse and neglect? Abuse, I have a case right now where it's hard to, hard to imagine, but it was in a assisted living facility, and an 82-year-old woman was raped, probably raped twice. by? That's a good question. It, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter. For one thing, she's in an Alzheimer's unit, so how in the heck could an outsider be allowed to get in? Or... It's an employee. Anyway, that is abuse with a capital A. But the more common problems under the, in nursing homes and in assisted living facilities, which are also known as board and cares and uh, uh, retirement homes, are that there is neglect. In other words, there's a, there's a situation going on, and because uh, there's a change in condition of the patient, they're, getting, they're not being moved around, so they get bed sores, they're not being offered food and water, their intake isn't being monitored, and they're being neglected. And uh, it's almost as bad as abuse, because you're literally, the, the, the person's being neglected. They are deteriorating in front of the people, but they're not doing anything about it. Usually, the problem is... And again, this uh, particular case we talked about that uh, involving this chain, the problems were always, almost all uh, attributed to inadequate staffing. Right. They, they charge a lot of money to go there, and they hire not enough people to take care of the population. Right. And the uh, you know, assisted living facilities are being run by large, large corporations now that have, and they're, listen, we need them. You know, we've got an aging population, and not everybody can take care of their their loved one at home we need them so this is not a crusade against them but you know there has to be a balance between the profit and the care and uh the in these facilities that uh, you've got a lot of fixed costs the only cost that's not fixed is a, is the cost of employees and there's a temptation to understaff to increase the profit and, and, and if you have neglect you get explain some of the things like bed sores tell us about that yes bed sores or pressure ulcers are almost always caused by two things or a combination of two things. Mal, uh, uh, dehydration, but primarily not being turned enough and not being, for instance, if you're bed-bound, not being turned enough. If you're not bed-bound, you're not being helped and you need help. You're not being helped out of your bed. You're not being helped out of your wheelchair. You're not being, 
you're not, you're not moved around enough, so you'll stay in one position, and you put pressure on certain parts of your body. That and that, that sore can quickly go down to the bone where you look at the wound and the bone is exposed. It can be quite fast, in, 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 especially in the presence of dehydration, and you can have a stage 4 pressure ulcer very quickly, and then the bone's exposed, and then you get uh, all kinds of bad bugs in there, and you can... Very easily, people die all the time from bed sores. Uh, again, Jim Gagan does a number of these cases, and if you've got someone in a nursing home who's having problems, Jim can counsel you, Jim can help you, you ought to give him a call, right? I'd be happy to answer any questions. Briefly, I understand things are happening with the the hip, the Johnson & Johnson hip. Yep, that case, the very first case of, of the 10,000 or so cases that have been filed is uh, proceeding in Los Angeles. Uh, my moles are not giving me a whole lot of information about uh, what's happening down there, except that I, I, the plaintiffs have put on their case, and it was uh, quite uh, interesting about what Johnson & Johnson knew uh, before they ever took this off the market, about how many how these hips were failing. And now the defendants are putting on their case, and uh, we will have a... Uh, an outcome soon. If you've gotten a hip, the Johnson & Johnson, the poor hip, the, the pew? The pew. The pew hip, the Johnson Johnson, the pew hip, you ought to give Jim Gagan a call. You can call me and we'll get the message to him. Jim, we're running out of time. Thank you. A Thank very you. informative show. Thank you, Len. Stick around. we got more. Len Tillum, News Talk 910.